Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Neutral, the show where any one of us could be the imposter. Not me, dude. I have a medbay scan. If you'll just, like, follow me into medbay. I don't know, man. That sounds pretty sus. <laughs> Alright, welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Neutral, the show where we debate and discuss the alignments of fictional characters. I'm Jack. I'm Avery. And we have a 20-sided die. This is going to be a fun, normal, regular episode, you guys. Also, before we start, I want to thank our two patrons. Gasp. Sam Morrison and Lena P. The two of you, single-handedly, dual-handedly, make this podcast possible. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate your support. All right, without further ado, let's dive right in. We got some fun characters to talk about today. Number four, Roy Mustang. All right, you're going to have to give the background on this because I'm about halfway through uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Really? Okay, okay, okay. Roy Mustang. It is not that hard to get Mustang by osmosis. That's true. Okay, so Roy Mustang is a uh, secondary protagonist of the um, Full Metal Alchemist series. Now, I've pretty much only seen Brotherhood. Uh, I think Avery has also pretty much only seen... I saw part of the original, okay. but I'm mostly watching Brotherhood, So yeah. we're pretty much just going to be talking about Brotherhood here. Uh, neither of us have read the manga. Um, Roy Mustang is a uh, state alchemist. He is the flame alchemist. Uh, he's a very complex and interesting person. Uh, he's been an alchemist for a long time. Um, he is uh, mostly a uh, supporting character although he does do some really important stuff uh, midway through the series and eventually, I think, becomes Emperor, briefly. Um, I don't actually remember the whole plot and Avery hasn't seen it all, so we're not going to get into that. Um, he is... Uh, I can hear Liam judging us. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't actually know if Liam's seen this show. Um, he is typically characterized as the main character, Edward Elric's superior officer, uh, and also kind of his dad, uh, which is great because Ed really needs a dad. Um, Roy is... Uh, very work-minded. Uh, he appears very, like, ruthless. He's a career uh, soldier. Uh, he's also a very paternal commander. He uh, greatly cares for his men. Um, he has a really emotional moment early on in the series when one of the soldiers under his uh, command dies, uh, and he has the famous line, uh, it's shame that today it's raining, as there are tears streaming down his face, and one of the other ones goes, it's, it's a beautiful day, sir, and he goes, no, it's raining. Hmm. Uh, it's a really powerful moment. Um, he has a lot of trauma in his backstory from the Civil War. Um, he hates that he got turned into a soldier uh, and that he got turned into a killing machine and that his alchemy is used almost exclusively for bad reasons. Um, and that is all I'll say about the subject because Avery hasn't seen the whole show. Uh, I am going to say... I'm going to say... I'm going to say Roy Mustang's chaotic good. Uh, I think it's unambiguous that he's a good person despite his career uh, soldiering, despite his uh, womanizing tendencies. I think he's very much on the side of good. He does good things for good people. Um, that being the case, despite the fact that he works for the military, despite the fact that he's very much uh, in a lawful organization, he routinely goes out of his way to break the rules when it is convenient for him uh, and follow them when it's convenient for him. He was raised uh, in a a brothel um yeah that's 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 canon um he has a lot of uh connections with the underworld um he is uh frequently shown to be um more concerned with the well-being of his men than with the actual following of protocol um i think that he is willing to let the law take its course when it doesn't interfere with its mor with his morals and i think that is a very good example of a, a chaotic good character 
I actually disagree with you. I think that makes him neutral good. Okay. Because for me, chaotic good are the people who straight up like don't trust or don't want to be involved with the government at all. Like Mustang doesn't trust the government, but he doesn't trust the government because it's a shady government, not because it's the government. Um, And I maintain, and this might be a hot take for the kids, uh, but I maintain that he stays and climbs the ranks of the army long enough that I don't think you can call him chaotic. I think he worked within the system on purpose for long enough until he couldn't anymore, until they started like threatening to uh, separate his whole team and uh, revealed that he they were actually sketchy and evil. Um, As I, most Guppy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, we won't get into that. But I think that his willingness to align with government figures like Hughes when they are good people I think sets them apart uh separates him from being chaotic because I think chaotic people have a lot of trouble admitting that folks involved in law can be good people I'll take that deal um ah, I do want to to talk more about Mustang but it's been a really long time since I saw the show and that being said I know you haven't finished it and I don't want to bring up points that will spoil it for you I mean I know uh, how his story ends um, because it's really hard to avoid Full Metal Alchemist spoilers. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I just want to uh, say one last thing about the character um, and that is that uh, he is definitely going into the story, like in his backstory in his uh, his time spent in the Civil War uh, I would say he probably leans closer lawful uh, and that it would be most likely his times, you know, getting traumatized and jaded with the military in the Civil War that made him closer to neutral, closer to chaotic. Here's an interesting question. Sure. Is Mustang neutral good or is he lawful good and damaged? I think he is actually neutral good. Lawful good and damaged would kind of imply that he wants to trust the government, that he wants to be more on the lawful side of things. And I don't think he does at this point. He's not like Catra where she's actually like constantly wanting to be a better person, constantly wanting to get the things that she's, she's rejecting out of trauma reasons. I think he legitimately does want to be the person he is today. That makes sense. Um, I, I think I think you're probably right. Okay, cool. Uh, so I think we've both convinced each other of something here. <laughs> uh, so Roy Mustang? Neutral good. Neutral good. So we just had a brief conversation with uh, another person that lives here. And I just want to say that as she walked past, she said, no one who stages a coup out of the back of an ice cream truck is lawful anything. And we agree. All right, let's talk about character number two, 14. That is Miranda Lawson. Avery, take it away. I don't know if uh, you didn't because this is a podcast, but uh, Jack at least saw my face light up. (laughs) I love Miranda Lawson. So let's begin. Yes. Miranda Lawson is one of the first crewmates you get in Mass Effect 2. She is responsible for helping to bring Commander Shepard, your player character, back from the dead. Over the course of the story, she repeatedly uh, calls into question your actions and behaviors with a sense of mistrust because you're a wild card. She works for an organization called Cerberus, which at the time is considered to be a pro-human, but also pro-stopping the Reapers organization. And it's who you end up aligned with for better or worse over the course of all of Mass Effect 2. Miranda has... uh, Miranda has been genetically engineered in all departments of her life, intelligence, appearance, biotics, to be quote-unquote 
perfect. As a result, she's got a pretty uh, hardcore complex about that. She is a perfectionist in every sense of the word, and she is really into trying to find things that are hers, accomplishments that she can do herself. She has a little sister that she is protecting and sheltering from her terrible, awful, no good, very bad father. And over the course of the story, if you, you know, bother to talk to her at all, she admits that she was wrong for mistrusting you. She aligns herself with you and your beliefs and even betrays the elusive man, the leader of Cerberus at the end, if you do, because she believes in you more than she believes in that organization. In Mass Effect 3, she uh, aggressively opposes the elusive man because the elusive man has aligned himself with the Reapers and made himself all cybery um, and may even die if you're not careful in order to help you and everyone in their fight against the Reapers and the elusive man. Anything I missed? Nothing that covers it. I love her. Why don't you give me your uh, hot take? Oh man. Miranda's actually, I think, a very hard character to categorize. I be- disagree. Oh, then tell me what you think. I think she's lawful neutral. Go on. <laughs> oh, that face. <laughs> no, that I'm, disappointment. No, I'm genuinely in Interested. Okay. Tell me what you're thinking. Lawful neutral. Miranda was raised in and around structures of power. Her dad is a very wealthy man. Uh, she finds out in the third game that uh, he gets involved with Cerberus, um, which should tell you exactly how powerful he is because Cerberus has a ton of resources. Um, she knows how to navigate those structures of power uh, and how to use them for her advantage when it's convenient for her. I would argue that at the beginning of the story, if, if she were doing more, you know, bad things that she could even be characterized as lawful evil. But she's not, because she's only really going out of her way to do the things that she feels are necessary. She's aware of and considering the moral questions in everything she does. She's just more than willing to discard those moral questions when it's necessary and convenient for her. I don't think she's lawful good. I also don't think she's lawful evil. I do definitely think lawful. And I think that would put her squarely in lawful neutral. Okay, so I don't don't agree. Uh, I think you're right I think she is neutral but I don't think she's actually loyal to or relying on structures I think she's loyal to people because Miranda almost never talks about Cerberus Miranda talks about her loyalty to the elusive man she is the elusive man's right hand person and if and when the elusive man fools her or tricks her or hides things from her she's deeply hurt by it she feels betrayed not by Cerberus but by the elusive man who she considers like the person that she is most loyal to. And then ultimately that loyalty shifts from the elusive man to Shepard. I think it's telling that Shepard can be either Paragon or Renegade. Shepard can sort of do whatever. And as long as you bother to connect with Miranda at all, she will ally herself with you and whatever decisions you make. And ultimately she, when she is in Mass Effect 3, she's doing, like she stays in contact with you or against Cerberus and her father. I think her big thing is not about the law, which is why she's willing to sort of to do things like send that distress uh, signal to Jacob about his, his dad, even though like there was nothing telling her, there was no real benefit to her besides she is loyal to Jacob. I think I would categorize Miranda as true neutral, and I think that's because I don't think she actually cares about any laws, organizations, or structures. I think she will do whatever she can for the people she loves. It's why Niket's betrayal and her loyalty mission hurts her so much because she would have, ri- she was ride or die for that dude. That's a very, very well put argument, and uh, I 
I will definitely concede that you know the character better than I do, and I will defer to your argument uh, on, the su on the subject matter. That being the case, you have definitely convinced me. Um, regardless of my own personal feelings about the character, I, I think she's pretty great, uh, but I don't like, I'm not attached to her the way Avery is. I love her! Uh, I will agree with you, I think um, Miranda is definitely true neutral. Um, I really liked the way you said loyal to people, not to structures. That was a very concise way of putting an argument that I've had in my head for a long time and have been on <laughs> able to, to really characterize. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, um, something I wanted to say, just because it's stirring in my brain, the reason I thought that Miranda would be hard to categorize is because, especially at the beginning of her um, arc, she has this sort of strange uh, dissociation from herself, which comes from the genetic engineering. She feels like her body, her mind, her biotics, none of that is really hers. And she fights against that every step of the way. And I, I think that is what made it hard for me at first and eventually she gets to the point where she can kind of put herself into herself but when you first start talking to her she's like here's all the stuff you need to know about me I am genetically engineered uh, but once we talked about it it seemed a lot easier you know yeah I, I agree with that completely um, Miranda Miranda true neutral yeah all right, let's do one more, and then I want to talk about uh, some listener mail we got. Yes. Uh, that is a two, my friend. Let's talk about Haruhi. Nice! All right. I just like Haruhi. Uh, I think you should take this one again. Okay. Um, before we uh, before we get into the next character, I feel like we should briefly stop, and because Haruhi's not going to be on this list, briefly stop and check in with uh, a segment I'd like to call, thanks to our patron Sam Morrison, Oops! You did a war crime. Talk yeah. about Roy Mustang. Yeah. Roy Mustang and Miranda Lawson. Have they done a war crime? Yes. Roy Mustang did a war crime. Yay. By, you know, doing, war, doing crimes. war crimes. He was literally a soldier killing innocent people. Uh, has Miranda Lawson done a war crime? Yes. I mean, yeah, technically, I think she's done several war crimes yeah. through her association with Cerberus. This concludes your seg- or this concludes our segment, Oops, You Did a War Crime. All right, now to talk about how to hear. Let's talk about how to hear. Um, Haruhi Fujioka from Oran High School Host Club. Haruhi is the protagonist of Oran High School Host Club. Uh, the last time we talked about Oran, I went a little overboard, so I'm going to try to be very, very brief. Uh, Haruhi breaks a huge, breaks a vase in the host club, which is the main location of the anime with a bunch of pretty boys that want to make girls happy. She is then sort of, uh, indentured servified to the host club and it turns out she's very pretty as a boy and she doesn't care whether people perceive her as a boy or a girl so she ends up being part of the host club and is flabbergasted with the host club's antics in general but genuinely loves them as people and uh mostly just wants to like do good in school and become a lawyer and she's just a very chill person all around i think she's too neutral too yeah i mm. I think it's complicated because <laughs> if it weren't complicated, we, we wouldn't, wouldn't be, be talking, talking about, about it. it. Um, I think it's complicated because she wants to be a lawyer. I mean, valid, but you don't have. I don't think she, I don't think that means she has to be lawful. I think that means she either has to be lawful or good. Because if you want to be a lawyer, you want to be a lawyer. It, it, well, if you're Haruhi and you want to be a lawyer, you want to be a lawyer for one of two reasons: you care about the system or you want to help people. And from what I've, we've heard from Haruhi, her mother was a lawyer, and the way that she talks about her mother, I think she was a lawyer who wanted to help people, and therefore I think Haruhi does want to help people. Okay. Also, um, we've talked about how if you 
uh, you have to be willing to die for your beliefs. How do you get through off a cliff protecting some girls? That's valid. Um, okay, let me assess that then. Let's let's talk for a second about this particular like claim here. Uh, let's 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 make this a mathematical proof, if you will. Uh, Haruhi could potentially be neutral good. Um, she definitely has the like the guts for it. She's got the the bravery. Uh, she's got the 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 drive to want to help people to be neutral good. Is she a nice enough person to be neutral good? I don't think you need to be nice to be good. I think you need to. I will once again refer to you to the fact that your alignment is based on your actions and not your intents. Well, yes, but you don't need to do good things nicely, you know? Like, um... You think you can just go out and, like, we throw put... food at people and that's a nice... No, I'm just We joking. put Geralt in the good category. Geralt's not a nice guy, you know but what? he that's does valid. good things. Like, if you go and you walk up to a group of bullies that are bullying some girls, go, how dare you? I'm gonna beat you up. That's not nice. That's fair. But it's good. It is good. If you are doing these things and the things you're doing improve the lives of people that, you know, aren't the worst, you don't have to be nice doing it. Okay. Is Batman nice? Batman is a lot of things, okay? We're not doing <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Batman nice. Is Batman good? Is Batman anything? There are, there are some Batmans that are both good and nice. There are some Batmans that are good and not nice. There are some Batmans that are nice and probably not good. I don't know who they are right now, but I bet there are. I'm sure there are. Um, But, you know, to quote uh, famous Stephen Sondheim musical Into the Woods, nice is different than good. True. I may not be nice, but I ain't dumb. <laughs> I may not know much, but I know that Haruhi is neutral good. All right. Haruhi is, in fact, neutral good. <laughs> uh, I was, for the record, quoting um, uh, Sweeney Todd. Okay, so we're done talking about characters for the for the episode. So if you don't like when we do listener mail, mail, you can turn off the episode now. For those of you who are still here, thanks. We appreciate you so much. So we got a, a message from a listener about our uh, episode, uh, one of the early episodes about Pearl from Steven Universe. Uh, now this this listener is a uh, big. <laughs> fan of Steven Universe. I know for a fact that his ringtone on his phone is the, uh, uh, the Steven Universe do-do-do-do-do. Uh, so this is like a personal character for him. Uh, here's what he said about our assessment of Pearl, who I will remind you we said was lawful neutral. I feel like she has changed over the course of the show. Definitely started out as lawful neutral because of her complete and utter devotion to Rose. I don't agree with our initial true neutral because of this devotion. I think true neutral is more selfish than she was. And yeah, she doesn't really care too much about the Earth at first. That doesn't matter to her because of her devotion to a specific person. Caring about others in your surroundings is more of a good versus evil thing, while her neutrality is just the apathy of it. She is definitely lawful because of her devotion to Rose. Rose here, of course, represents a power structure, if you know anything about the Steven Universe show. Uh, she's changed from her Pearl role on Homeworld. She became a warrior. She got offended when Peridot asked who she belonged to. Uh, this difference is definitely very clear from the blue, yellow, and white pink uh, Pearls, uh, who, of course, are very proud of who they belong to. Uh, while I do believe she is lawful neutral up until Steven comes into this world and probably a bit thereafter, she definitely has changed from the role society gave her and she started a very long and complex character change to become more independent. In fact, I believe Rose was the last thing holding her back to the home world. Notice how much, how now the people she interacts with are Garnet, Amethyst, and Steven, all of whom are not from home world. Um, uh, she also disagreed with some of Rose's decisions, often asking I don't know why she did X and the whole self-sacrifice thing was against Rose's wishes. I don't think she stays lawful neutral throughout the show. She definitely becomes lawful 
at least lawful good, maybe even neutral good, as the only thing tying her to lawful neutrality was Rose and not Stephen. After she was gone, she was looking, uh, the, she was looking very lost. Uh, she lost a lot of the things she was looking for. They kidnapped Stephen in the Christmas episode and tried to get Rose's gem out before she gave up and accepted that her entire reason for living was gone. And after many seasons of her coming to terms with it and mourning, she becomes her own person. And then she starts caring about others and not just Rose. I won't say she's devoted to Stephen any more than a parental figure is, but I don't think that's enough to make her lawful neutral. She cares, takes care of him and the other crystal gems because she loves them and wants to protect them. P.S. Charlie 100% fails Willy Wonka with the floating candy. What do you think about this? Now, I think this is a very well-structured argument and I will give, you know, solid credit to uh, our good friend about uh, his, his textual evidence here. I think this is a really good uh, uh, take on the character. I don't think it's enough to change my mind. I agree. And I think what one of the things that, the thing that's tying me to Lawful Neutral, if you'll remember, is um, the fact that she continues to follow and and establish and, and adhere to structures of rules for their own sake. She doesn't do it because she's afraid. She doesn't do it because she's, uh, because she believes in them. She does it because she needs structure to survive. Uh, and I will agree with you that she definitely gets away from that towards the end of the series. Uh, there's the, the legendary episode where she gets a, a, a leather jacket. Um, there's the, uh, the whole episode where they go to fake New York, um, or, you know, fantasy New York or whatever you want to call it. Um. I thought it was fantasy Vegas. No, I'm pretty sure it's New York. Eh. Um, it's, it's called Empire City, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, and I think she does a ton of growth throughout the series. If she is anything by the end of the series, she's lawful good. I will give you that. I do, I don't think she changes enough, though, because she doesn't, she still needs the rules. Like, she's not using the rules as, as a system to. Uh, to better the world. She's using them because she feels connection and attachment to that. And I think, um, I think you can be lawful neutral and still care about yours a lot. Yeah, just like you can do, be true neutral and still care about yours a lot. Um, I think the thing that really sets it off for me is the situation, is the pink diamond situation where, you know, Pearl clearly cares so much about Steven and the crystal gems and will, like, sacrifice herself for them if she has to, whatever, but she didn't tell them. I don't know about that. But he, here's it's, the... It's heavily implied in the show that she couldn't tell them. That she was incapable of doing so by some amount of magic that, that Pearl or that Rose did to her. I don't know. Um, I don't think... I don't know that she would have. I, regardless. I, that's valid. Um, I think ultimately her loyalty was still to her diamond. I think if Rose had shown up at any point and given her instructions contradictory to the care of the crystal gem, she would have walked away in a heartbeat. I also agree with that. I think that's uh, 100% valid. And that's the reason that I think she's lawful neutral. That doesn't, I know this character is important to you, dear reader. Uh, that does not nullify or negate her strong, loving relationships with the crystal gems. I think it, it just has to do with her priority and her priority is Rose and her priority is her diamond and taking care of her diamond's wants and needs. And I, I, I when I said in a heartbeat, I think that's not fair. I think she would strongly struggle a lot. And maybe, you know, depending on the circumstances, she could change her mind. But as she is, I don't necessarily think that she would. Uh, I will also add to what you just said there. Our interpretation of the character does not in any way negate your interpretation of the character. Uh, the point of, you know, having these conversations in the first place is because a lot of us are going to disagree about a lot of things. That's why we started this podcast. And you have a really solid grasp of this character. Uh, just because we disagree with you does not mean 
saying we are right and you are wrong. On the contrary, all it means is that we disagree. I actually think that our disagreement comes from our dif different interpretations of the alignments rather than the character itself. You know what? I agree. I think that's a really good way of putting it. I think we both sort of understand this character in at least a relatively similar way, and we just disagree about what alignment that makes her. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I'd love to hear more about what you think if you listen to this uh, episode. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, dear listener, for your uh, impassioned defense of, of uh, Pearl. Uh, and we got another bit of, of uh, uh, another bit of uh, reader commentation about uh, our recent episode on Shira in defense of Catra specifically, um, or rather in defense of Shadow Weaver specifically. Oh yeah, it was the Shadow uh, Weaver defense because uh, we said Shadow Weaver was lawful evil. Yes. Uh, and so our... I don't know if we call it a defense, a re a different interpretation. Yeah, a reinterpretation. So here we have a discussion of Shadow Weaver. Uh, she's always out for number one and nobody else. She disobeys Hordak when she's told to abandon Adora. She goes over to the side of good. Instead of remaining out on the rebellion, outside the Horde, she's never stated any other goals than give me power and I'll help you. And that's actually why she left the Horde, because Hordak granted others access to her power. She's 100% self-serving, not to the rules or even against them, just explicitly for herself. Honestly, as I think about it, like, that's a really good take. It's a solid argument. I, I, I don't, I have to talk about it for a little bit more to decide if it's changed my mind, but um, uh, Shadow Weaver did join, not didn't join the will join the rebellion, but didn't mm -hmm. do it for anyone but herself and Adora. And then she gets attached to Glimmer. Mm -hmm. And but I don't know, I really don't because it's not like Shadow Weaver. Besides the the major betrayals where she switches from one side where she adheres to their rules to another, she doesn't really, like, it doesn't really feel like she adheres to the rules when it suits her. It feels like she has committed to a society. She considers herself part of that one. And she will follow that. Although there is the thing where she did all the dark magic at the beginning. I will continue to argue she's lawful evil because your alignment is not part of your intention. It is your uh, your actions and your behavior. She can be 100% self-serving. She can be out for herself as motivation and still be acting within structures of power and acting to, to manipulate and benefit from structures of power. And that is lawful evil. You can defend your behavior as self-serving all you want, but if the behavior itself is lawful, it's still lawful. And she did ultimately make a sacrifice for the rebellion. Not for her own power. Honestly, but... I have a lot to say about that. Uh, and most of that comes from the fact that uh, she gets what she wants out of that sacrifice. She sure does. She gets to be the hero. She gets her two surrogate daughters crying over her. She gets to have the story told in her benefit because of the sacrifice. And she faces no consequences for her actions. It's true. I am legitimately torn. Um, like, I I think I would need more conversation with, uh, I know exactly who you are, dear reader, uh, dear listener, and I would need more, I, I think I would need to talk and think on it more, but it is a really good argument. Yeah, that is a very good argument. And again, I think this is up to interpretation of the alignment and not the character. I think we have a pretty solid, We all, all of us have a pretty solid grasp on who this character is. It's just a matter of what you, how you interpret the alignments themselves. And I hope we can all agree that she sucks. She sucks. Sucks. 
so much. All right. All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, any uh, suggestions for characters, feel free to email us or contact us through our social media on Facebook and Twitter. Also, we have a Patreon. If you want such perks as letting getting to hear these episodes early, uh, check out our Patreon. We're still, we're not doing Batman productions. All right. So we are, we're not doing Batman productions. If you have any questions, comments, and concerns, please contact us at WNDB productions at gmail.com that's we need diverse books productions at gmail.com and we do all right thank you very much for listening see you guys soon